right, it's good to see you this morning. Even some of those of you who normally go to the 9 o'clock service, it's good to see you here at 1045. And uh, you lost your hour, so you're picking it back up here. We see how you roll. We know how you are. So, but it's good to have everybody here with us this morning. I want to just say before we jump in, um, we've been talking about uh, generosity and the what if experiment. This past week, um, as a church, we had an opportunity to bless 40 church planters' wives. Uh, my wife, Amy, my, and Cindy Lake, and several others um, hosted a two day retreat for, for church planters' wives all the way from Canada to Washington State to Colorado the east coast they came from all over the place we rolled out the red carpet and just treated these ladies to a phenomenal experience just blessed them loved on them many of you gave just abundantly to them and made things donated things to them we were shuttling them from the airport back and forth and i mean just uh, you know our the big part of this church is church planting and i want to say thank you to all of you who poured into this experience for these 40 church planters' wives who went home blessed and refreshed and encouraged. And so thank you. And let's give just all of them a big hand this morning. Well, over the uh, past several weeks, we have been diving into some very, very deep waters together through uh, a series we did at the beginning of the year called Rescue Mission, where we were talking about the issues that we deal with in our lives that, that God has sent Jesus Um, to rescue us from and now we're in a series called who told you that and over the last couple weeks we have been exposing lies that we have believed for years lies that we have allowed to shape us to define us and even to set the course for our future and over the last couple months one of the most difficult things we've talked about are just issues of guilt and bitterness and how those things relate to our past and how they relate to even the issue of forgiveness and even unforgiveness. And we've had a lot of questions that have come back to us about these topics. And I realized through over the last couple of weeks that many, many, many of you are, are dealing with these things at a very deep level. Many of you have, have made some big mistakes in your past and you are walking around with, with scars and, and with wounds and with consequences of those sins. Some of you have had some things happen to you, horrific, sinful things, things that, that, that may not have been your fault at all. And those things are not only, in your mind, part of your past, but you're car- currently carrying those things in your present and you're allowing those things to define your future. If you remember, if, uh, back several, actually a couple months ago, we, we talked about Adam and Eve in Genesis chapter 3, how they were in the Garden of Eden and they were tempted by a certain to eat uh, of the tree of good and evil and they do. Satan tempts them and they fall into the temptation and immediately they experience guilt and they experience shame. And the Bible says their eyes were open and they realized they were naked so they sewed fig leaves together to try to hide themselves, to cover themselves from their nakedness and then we see them hiding from God. And God comes into the Garden of Eden. He is looking for Adam and Eve. And he calls out to Adam and he asks a question. Adam, where are you? And Adam reveals to God. He says, listen, I I heard you walking around in the garden. And I became afraid. I became full of, uh, I was full of guilt. And so Eve and I, we, we decided to hide from you. And God says to Adam, who told you that you were naked? God asked them a question 
not only to acknowledge the fact that they felt guilt and shame, but also to question the source of their fear. Who told you that? Who told you that? And so this morning, with that in mind, we're going to tackle a huge lie that I believe has many of you trapped in bondage right now. And the lie is this. I can never be forgiven of my past. My past defines me. My past will always haunt me. My past will always not just be part of my present, but it will always be part of my future. I can never be set free. I can never, ever be forgiven of my past. Now, as a result of believing a lie like that, there are several knee-jerk responses that we, that we have towards this lie. Um, one is we, we just live feeling like damaged goods. We walk through life feeling like I'm just damaged goods. I can, this can never be repaired. It can never be uh, made new. I'm, I'm just damaged for the rest of my life. This is, this is my lot in life. We also allow our feelings to permeate how we relate to the world, how we relate to our relationships, how we relate to our friendships. I mean, everything, we just allow this lie to permeate everything, our mind, our thoughts, how we approach our decisions. We also, because of this lie, we feel very unworthy to be used by God. We look at this lie and because it defines us, because we allowed it to shape us, we look and go, God, you could never use me. You could never, you know, use me in a great way to do anything because of something I've done in my past or something that was done to me. Oftentimes we don't enjoy or acknowledge the blessings of God in our lives because our mind is so consumed and so trapped by this lie by what we've done or what was done to us. And so we, we sometimes, we can't see the things that God is doing in our lives. We can't see the lessons he's teaching us. We can't see the blessings that are in front of us. And then sometimes it's even, even more extreme. We keep people at a distance. We hold people out here because we're afraid to allow them to get close to us because somewhere along the way, because if I let them too close to me, they're going to find out about my past. They're going to find out what I have done and they're going to look at me differently. A few years ago, we did a series on the different names of God found in the Bible, and one of the names that we discussed is found in, Gen- or excuse me, in Exodus chapter 15, verse 26, where God says to Moses, I am Jehovah Rapha, which means I am the God who heals. Psalm chapter 147, verse 3 says, he heals the brokenhearted and he binds up their wounds. You say, how does God do that? Well, how, how does God take my scars? How does God take... The, the hidden wounds, the dysfunction of my past and help me to get rid and help me to get rid of those things to get to a place of whole, wholeness and healing. Well, he helps us by replacing those lies that we've believed, that we've allowed to define us, that we've allowed to, to shape our lives. He replaces those lies with truth. And so this morning we want to talk about some truths to help you to replace those lies and hopefully to help you to get over this lie that many, many people are believing. I can never ever be forgiven or get over my past. First of all, here's how we do this. First truth is this. God wants us to deal honestly with our past. God wants us to deal honestly with our past. Here's the truth. You will never be able to deal with the issues in your life until you're willing to be honest about them, to expose them, to face them head on. A few years ago, we did a study on the the life of King David, and we looked at the issues in his life that plagued him throughout his reign as the king of Israel. Even today, Israel looks back at David as, their, as their, 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 their best king ever. The most famous, most notable king in their whole history. And yet, you look at his life, and he had an affair with a woman by the name Bathsheba. He then murdered her husband Uriah. You look at how those problems just 
just trickled down into his, the lives of his children. How, how he, all of a sudden, it, those things created enemies for him. And he sunk down into a, just the, the, the deep despairs of discouragement and depression. And in Psalm chapter 39, we see him writing. And in verse 2, he says, I stayed quiet, not even saying anything good, and my sorrow grew worse. In other words, David says, when I refused to deal with my past, things just got worse for me. They just got worse for me. And then he says, my heart was hot within me. And I thought about things, as I thought about things, the fire burned. And then I spoke with my tongue. David says, holding on to hurts and the pain of your past is like carrying hot coals in your heart. When, when, when hidden wounds are not dealt with, they, 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 they don't heal on their own. They just continue to eat at you. They continue to boil up inside of you. And I meet people all the time, and you do as well, who are just discouraged and they're worn out and they're tired. People that, that look aged well beyond their years. And one of the reasons is because they're using up all of their energy on resentments and grudges and guilts from the past. They have no energy for the future because they're exhausting it all on the past. Listen again to the words of David in Psalm chapter 32, verse 3. He says, when I kept silent, he says, my bones wasted away through my groanings all day long. And the fact is, we live in a world where sinful, hurtful, damaging things happen to people. People do terrible things to each, other, to each other. Children get abused by adults. Adults abuse each other. We say things to each other that create deep, painful wounds. People abandon each other. We break commitments that we make to each other. So many of us have been hurt and, and the dysfunction, we have dysfunction in our past and we, and we go through life and we have no idea what to do with these things and so we end up dealing with these things in very unhealthy ways. How do we do that? Well, one of the things we do is we just bury it. And we think just out of sight, out of mind, I'll just sweep it under the carpet. If I can just bury it, then I won't have to deal with it. It'll just go away. It's not going to happen. Oftentimes, we just we blame others for it. And I see this one quite a bit. Maybe we have a father or mother, someone that we look at as the reason for our pain. And we don't get past our pain because we, we can't get past the hurt or even the hatred that we have for this person. That doesn't work. So sometimes we run from our pain. We run from our past. And there's a lot of ways that, that I see people and you see people run from their past. They, they deal with, with alcohol, they get drunk or they do drugs or they sleep around with people, even people they don't know or, or they become workaholics. They just, cons- they just, just immerse themselves in their work or they spend money that they don't have. All just trying to run away from the pain of their past. The, the, the pain of, either, of their, even their own sinfulness. And then I see people beat themselves up over it. People get trapped in guilt over something that they've done or they blame themselves for something that was done to them. And in their mind, they're just thinking, if I would have just faced this this way or you know, maybe if I would have responded this way, then none of this would have happened. And we treat ourselves like punching bags, constantly beating ourselves up over our past. And the bottom line is, none of those approaches work. If we're ever going to deal with our past in a healthy manner so we can truly experience wholeness and healing, we have to be honest with our past and we have to expose it. We need to get, to, we need to get honest about our pain and our fears and our anger and our resentment and our bitterness over the things that people did to us or, or maybe the guilt or shame that you're feeling right now. Where are those areas that we need to be honest? Well, first of all, we just need to be honest with ourselves. We have to look and go, this is an unresolved issue. This is an issue that's never been resolved. And you know, that's tough to do because we like to feel like we have it all together. Sometimes we like to portray to others that we have it all together when inside we really don't. 
We need to be honest with God. God, this is how I feel, and it stinks. It's okay to vent to God because God can handle it. God's not surprised by your hurt. He's not surprised by your anger or even your guilt or even your grief. He saw what happened to you. He grieved with you. He already knows about it. He already cares. He's already engaged whether you feel like he is or not. He just wants your honesty. I remember after my dad died in 2004, I was, I was angry with God for a long time. I'd have to get up here every Sunday and talk about God and talk about the love of God and all, you know, how he carries us. And all of that stuff was extremely true. I, had to, I was preaching to myself a, a lot of Sundays. But I was angry inside because I didn't have answers. And quite honestly, I still don't. But I had to be honest with God, and I found out through all that, he can handle it. And sometimes you have to be honest with someone you trust. There's something healing about talking about our hurts with other people. You know, Job, when Job was going through all the trials that he went through in the Old Testament, in the book of Job, I mean, he just just constantly complained to these three friends that he had. Job 18, verse 4, it says, You may tear your hair, hair out in anger, but will that cause the earth to be abandoned? Will it make rocks fall from a cliff? In other words, when you live in anger or guilt or shame over your past, it doesn't do you any good. You can blame others, you can run from it, or you can beat yourself up over it. But when all that happens, you just end up hurting yourself even more. And so we need to get honest. We need to get honest with God. We need to get honest with ourselves. And we need to get honest maybe with someone else outside who can help us. And if you don't have anybody that you can trust, listen, we've got a great life care minister here at Westridge. We can refer you to great counselors or we can help you to get involved in a ministry or a small group that can help you get through whatever it is that you're dealing with. But first step, we just need to get honest. We need to get honest. We need to expose the pain of our past. The second truth is this. We need to remember that our past does not define us. There are so many lies that we believe about ourselves, things that we just, we've allowed to just, you know, come into our mind and it shapes us. Here's a lie. Here's a lie. that We believe sometimes that mistake will always be with me. That mistake will always be with me. And my question to you is, who told you that? Here's the truth. 2 Corinthians 5, 17, it says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's what? A new creation. The old is past. Behold, the new has come. God has made you a new creation. Here's another lie that we believe. I'm damaged goods. I, I deserve everything that happens to me. All the bad breaks I get, I deserve it because of that one thing that happened to me or that one decision that I made. And my question is for you is who told you that? Because here's the truth. Jude chapter 1 verse 24. Now all glory to God who is able to keep you from falling away and will bring you with great joy into his glorious presence without what? A single fault. Here's the lie that, another lie that many of us believe sometimes. We, we, look, we look and we go, God is just going to continue to punish me. I know that I've confessed this. I've said I'm sorry. I, I know you, you Brian, I, I hear you talk all the time about how God, when we confess and we repent, he forgives. But I know that God's going to continue to punish me. And my question for you is who told you that? Who told you that? Here's the truth, 1 Thessalonians 5, 9 through 10. For God chose to save us through our Lord Jesus Christ, not to pour out his anger on us. Christ died for us so that whether we are dead or alive when he returns, we can live with him forever. Here's another lie. My past defines me. My past shapes me. It defines who I am. And my question is, who told you that? Listen, I know that there are people that may say this about you or they may say that about you because of something that you have done. And some of you walk around like, like, like with a label around your neck, like, with, like a scarlet letter. 
and you'd let that define who you are. But here's the truth. Here's the truth. First Peter chapter one, verse 18. For you know that God paid a ransom to save you from the empty life you inherited from your ancestors. And the ransom he paid was not mere gold or silver. It was a precious blood of Christ, the sinless, spotless lamb of God. Listen, everyone in this world was destined to an empty life and an eternity in hell. But God did the unthinkable. He purchased you from from that life. He purchased you from that destiny. There was a dear price that was paid to rescue you from a future without hope. Your past sin was covered by the blood of Jesus, the sinless, spotless lamb of God. And so when we confess our sin, regardless of how it happened or how bad it was, the Bible tells us it was removed from us as far as the east is from the west. And so you're not defined by your past. You're defined by the blood of Jesus. That's what defines you. You have been bought with Jesus's very own life. And as a result, the Bible says that you are in Christ. You are a child of God. You're a brother or sister of Jesus. And the Bible says, actually, when it comes down to it, you're a friend of God. If you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ to save you of your sins, you've received his first, his his free gift of, of, of forgiveness and salvation. You're a friend of God. The third truth is we need to free those that have hurt us. We need to free those that have hurt us. Listen, you'll never get the healing and wholeness that you long for, that you long to have in your life if you're harboring resentment towards someone else. You're never gonna be able to truly live the abundant life that Jesus Christ has for you when you're holding on to someone. You're holding someone hostage with unforgiveness. Listen, for your own sake, you need to let them go. You need to free them. The fact is you only have so much emotional energy and you're going to spend it somewhere. And the question is, you have to ask yourself is, do I get well or do I get even? Do I get well or I get de- do I get even? Because you can't do both. One of the things that I continue to hear as I talk to people, I mean, it just amazes me and overwhelms me is the amount of people that have been abused either physically or sexually, especially when they were younger. And I want to tell you, when I hear those stories, it makes my blood boil with anger. It's a righteous anger. And I listen to those stories and I think along with that person and I think this abusive person does never deserves to be forgiven ever and they don't and that's about they really don't but then i'm reminded that neither neither do i and neither do you listen we don't free people who have hurt us because they deserve it we do it for our own sake you can't get pat you can't get on with your life if your life is stuck in the pain of the past that person that hurt you years ago is still controlling your life in the present even though they may have been out of your life for years here's a here's a here's a verse that we hold on to when when bad when bad things happen to us and even when when we read this it's hard for us to reconcile it in our mind romans chapter 12 verse 17 repay no one evil for evil but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all if possible so far as it depends on you live peaceable with all beloved never avenge yourselves but leave it to the wrath of god for it is written vengeance is mine i will repay says the lord paul says listen don't get even let god deal with that person for you see one of the reasons Why we can't get our hands around this truth is because we forget sometimes that God was there when all of that bad stuff happened. God saw all of it, whether it was you or whether it was someone doing something to you. And so as a result, because we we think sometimes that God's distant, he's far off, he didn't see it, he didn't realize, we'll take matters into our own hands because we think, you know what, 
It's my right to even the score. I am going to repay that person. I'm going to enter into this realm. And yet God says, trust me. Trust me to balance the books. Let me deal with injustice at the appropriate time. Trust me to deal with this for you. Trust me. You, you just get on with your life. I, I, I got you. You're my child. We're friends. I got your back. Psalm chapter 56, verse 8. I love this. He says, you keep track of all of my sorrows. You have collected all of my tears in your bottle. You have recorded each one in your book. Listen, God is keeping track of what has happened to you in the past and what is currently happen, happening to you in the present. He sees everything. He's sovereign. God says, listen, he, I know all about the rejection and the pain that you have felt. He even sees those moments where our children are mistreated. And he understands that. Why? Because his son, Jesus, was rejected. He was denied. He was hated. He was abused. He, and finally, he was beaten up and murdered. And yet in the midst of it all, Jesus, hanging on a cross, looks down at his accusers. And he says, Father, forgive them. They have no idea what they're doing. But what do we do? What, what do we do when God doesn't seem to be evening the score on our behalf? What, what, what do we do when it appears that someone is getting away with injustice? Or, or what do we do when, when we just can't seem to get past the past? I was having coffee with a friend of mine uh, a few weeks ago, a guy named Shane Williamson, who oversees FCA for most of the South, Southeast, and we were talking about this issue. We are talking about our kids. And he shared with something with me that I've been processing through over the last couple weeks, and I'm going to try to process it in front of you, okay? I want to put something on the screen, and guys, just leave it up there. Leave it up there, because I want people just to look at it. I've shared this with my, both of my boys over the last two weeks on napkins with pencils, all right? In our lives, we have the space that we deal with called your space. In our space, we walk with God. We live by his word. I mean, some of us are living lives as moms. We want to be a good mom or a good dad or a good student. I mean, we just have our lives. And in our lives, in our space, we've got our plans and our dreams and our decisions and the things that we do ultimately. But listen, in your space, regardless of what that looks like, you have to have the Holy Spirit in there with you. Because I don't care what it is you try to do in your space. The Bible says that apart from me, Jesus says, you can do nothing. Whoever abides in me, John 15, 5, whoever abides in me, remember we talked about that last week, hangs out with me, dwells with me, walks with me. That's the person that's going to bear much fruit. But for apart from me, you can do nothing. And so there's our space right there. And then outside of that, we can just, in our minds, we can, this is God's space. And in God's space, we just need to write, God is sovereign. What does that mean? It means he's in, he is absolutely in control of everything. There's nothing that happens by chance. In God's sovereignty, there's neither unlucky or lucky. Anything that happens to you, good or bad or whatever it looks like, must first pass through his fingers. There are no accidents. There's no mistakes. He's not causing bad things to happen, but he sees everything that is happening. Now, I'm going to tell you something. There are things about God's space that I don't understand. There are things that I don't like about how God operates in his space. But here's what I know. God has a plan. And he's moving towards his plan. I like what Tony Evans says. He says, our choices do not determine whether God ends up where he wants to go. Our choices do not determine whether God ends up where he wants to go. He will arrive at his de destination either through you, around you, over you, by you, or in spite of you. 
So what do I do with that? What do I do when I'm in my space? God's in his space. I realize I've invited him into my space through the power of the Holy Spirit, but I don't like what he's doing out in his space. You trust him. You trust him, even when you don't understand, even when you can't see the whys and the hows, because you realize he sees the A through the Z when we only see, we're at A sometimes and we can't even hardly see B. See, here's what happens. When we, tr- when we start trying to mess around out there in the yellow part, let me tell you what happens to us. This is where worry starts taking place. This is where fear starts to develop. This is where discouragement starts coming in. This is where we start trying to take matters into our own hands. And what happens when we start messing around in that space out there? We get ourselves in a mess. We get ourselves in a mess. And so what, what, must, what, what do we do with that yellow space? We realize, God, you're sovereign. You have a plan. You love us. And I'm going to trust what you're doing in your space. I'm gonna, and I'm, and then while, while I'm doing that, I'm going to depend on you in my space. Does that make sense? All right, good. The fourth truth. Our past memories can be covered and healed by God's truth. See, your brain is like a tape recorder. It records every single incidence that your five senses have ever experienced. I mean, you think about your smell, your touch, your sound, every taste. It's all in there. Everything that's been said to you, good, bad, ugly, true, false. The problem is your brain doesn't distinguish between things that are true and things that are false, especially when you're a child. You could have been told something as a child or something like you were worthless or that you're not going to amount to anything. And the problem is if you believe that, you're going to continue to act upon that. When I was in sixth grade, I was chosen by my peers to be the captain of the safety squad at the Jefferson Elementary School in Redford, Michigan. Can I get an amen? Miss Lewis, the PE teacher, she was in charge of the safety squad. How many of you were in the safety squad? All right, everybody over 40, we were in the safety squad, all right? You wore an orange, orange little thing that was plastic. If you were the captain, you had a, a badge like you were a police officer. You had some authority. I remember the room that I was in, standing next to the desk, standing up. Miss Lewis was behind her desk. All of my peers who were safeties in front of me, she is screaming at the top of her lungs at me how I am a terrible leader. And I'm one of the worst safety squad captains she has ever had in the history of her experience of being the safety squad captain leader person at Jefferson Elementary School. I'm 48 years old. I still remember that conversation. I got something for you, Miss Lewis. I'm a good leader, and I could care less what happened in that safety squad. All right? And all of those kids that were on the bus that didn't have a safety squad person on there, they all got home safely. <laughs> Miss Lewis. See, some, are, some of us, we're still operating off of false information. And when you base your life on false information, you end up building a self-defeating lifestyle. You set yourself up for pain and hurt. Some of you are struggling in a relationship right now because you've carried false information into that marriage or into that friendship. You had a friend or a parent or a teacher tell you that you were worthless or you were were ugly or that you were fat or you were stupid or that you weren't going to amount to anything. And all of that was recorded in your mind or on your heart and you're still operating off of that data. And you've got to replace those memories and those untruths with the truths of God's word. 
How do I do that? How do I do that? How can God heal our past memories? We've got to pray about those things. Just bathe bathe your mind in prayer and say, God, heal my memories. Take those open wounds in my heart and you heal them. You can do that. And then you fill your mind with God's word. Here's the truth. This book, this Bible, has the ability to erase every bit of false data that you're operating on. That's why, that's why you have to every day just create room in your life. Create room in your life for God. We're doing something right now. We're observing Lent. Not Lent, but Lent. 40 days before Easter, an opportunity to make, make room for God to be in your life to immerse yourself into his word. Because the more you get yourself into this book, the more you will build your life on God's truth. And the quicker you do that, the quicker you will replace those lies. And then you gotta believe what, we, what God says about you. You can keep reading it, but you've got to believe what he says about you. Ephesians chapter one, verse four, another truth. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be what? Holy and blameless in his sight. Did you hear what God just said about you as a, as a child of God? You are holy and blameless in his sight. In other words, God has seen everything that you've ever done. He knows your guilt. He knows your past. He knows the pain. He knows your shame. He knows your regret. He knows your hurts. And yet because of Jesus, he takes them and he erases all of that and stamps on your life holy and blameless. His forgiveness, his grace, his mercy has made you holy and blameless. And so it doesn't matter, it doesn't matter what the past says because the truth of God's word says you're holy and blameless. So the question is, who and what are you going to believe? Are you going to believe something that was said about you last year? Or something that was said about you five years ago? or something that was said about you 20 years ago, or 30 years ago, or something that, that was said to you in middle school or high school, or are you going to believe the God who created you? That's a choice you have to make. And then we need to remember that there is no future in the past. Let me, let me encourage you to get your attention off your past and get it, on, get it focused on what God is doing today and what his plan is for you in the future. You do not have to live in the past. The past doesn't have to repeat itself. If you can learn to be honest about the hurt in your life and free those who have hurt you and replace lies with truth, you'll be able to move forward into the future with confidence. In, John chapter, John, in 1 John chapter 3, verse 19, it tells us there are going to be moments in this Christian life where our heart is, where our heart is going to actually condemn us. We're, we're not only going to be convicted of our sin, which is a good thing, but there's going to be moments where also we're going to be reminded of our past. It's going to happen. Satan's just going to keep bringing it up. Our heart is deceptive. It's going to keep deceiving us. It's going to keep bringing the old junk back up. But John says that God is greater than our hearts. And so the fact that God is greater than our hearts reminds us that we, can, that we, that we have been forgiven of our sins and our past through the work that Jesus did for us on the cross. Listen to what John, 1 John chapter 3, verse 21 says. Dear friends, if our hearts do not condemn us, in other words, if we're not trapped in guilt, if we're not trapped in the pain of our past, then we can stand in confidence before God. And some of you are letting your heart condemn you this morning. You've been holding on to that lie that says, I can never be forgiven of my past. You've convinced yourself that God can never forgive you. Do not let your heart condemn you. The Bible says there is no condemnation for those who belong to Jesus Christ. John tells us that God is greater than your heart. 
Because of Jesus, we can be forgiven. We can have a clear conscience and we can be free of our guilt. John says when you understand that, you understand the price that has been paid, that Jesus has accomplished this for you through his atoning work on the cross, you can have a clear conscience and you can stand with confidence in front of God. And if you've ever stood before God humbly, in humility, but yet with confidence, you know it's an amazing feeling. To feel completely forgiven, to feel like the shackles of your past have been removed, to feel that no one is holding anything over your head, to, to be released from the guilt and the shame. Listen, it's an amazing feeling. My question is, wouldn't you like to experience that this morning? And the answer is you can. But it starts with being honest. Being honest. I want us to bow our heads for a moment. It's a time for us just to get honest. I want you to, if if there's a present sin in your life, it's time to get honest. And repent of it. Confess it to the Lord. You're not surprising him. He knows. Your past, present sins do not define you. Let's just take a moment right now. Just say, Lord, I'm going to be honest with you right now. Here's what happened to me. You know about it, but I'm going to confess it. I want to tell you about it. Maybe it wasn't even your fault. It was something that that happened to you. And then just confess this. Lord, I realize, Lord, your forgiveness wasn't just once in my life when I accepted you. I can confess my sins to you all the time. And I want to have that moment with you. And I want you just to realize as you're praying, your past does not define you. The blood of Jesus defines you. For some of you right now, it's releasing that person that's hurt you. Let them go. They don't deserve to be forgiven. You're right, they don't. Neither do you. Let them go. You trust God in his space. You invite him into your space, dependent upon him, surrendered to him. But you let God deal with what he's doing in his sovereignty. Lord, I'm not gonna allow worry to be my first my, the first thing I, th- I think of, I'm going to allow prayer to be the first thing I think of. And then I'm going to, Lord, as I'm going through this, I'm going to just continue to replace the lies of the past with your truth. We're going to sing about truth right now. I'm not ashamed. I'm a new creation. I love this verse. I bow before your cross, this broken life and made new. You're a new creation. So amazed at all you are, Lord, and who I am in you. Words that the Bible says, adopted, healed, lifted, forgiven, found, rescued. And you say, Lord, I confess that there's no future in the past. No future in the past. I'm not going back there any longer. I'm a new creation. All things have been made new. I know my heart may still try to condemn me, bring me back to the past, but you are greater than my past. You are greater than my heart. My heart's deceptive. I'm not going there. I will stand in front of you with confidence, with my conscience clear because of Jesus. Not in my own doing, not in my own work, in my own performance, but because of Jesus. So I want us to stand right now and I want us to worship. And I want us to worship. 
and I want, as you listen, as you look at these words that are just God's truth from his word, as you sing them, don't just sing them as just, you know, one of these moments where I'm just going to kind of sing a song and, you know, just so I can get out of here and I'm not thinking about the words. I want you to sing it with emphasis. And as you see every one of these words, I want you to thank God that you are adopted, you are healed, that you are lifted, that you've been forgiven, that you've been set free, that there is, that your past does not, does not condemn you. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. You've been set free. Amen. Let's worship him together.